one, two, three, four, five on today's podcast, the top five trends for 2019. Let's get decked. to this week's edition of the Ultimate Deck Podcast. My name is Shane Chapman. I'm here with a couple guests today. I don't know if I should call you guys guests. You'll probably be making frequent appearances, but Wade Laurent and Justin McCray of the Ultimate Deck Shop. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Good. So there's three of us here this time. You don't have to just listen to me and my nose whistles. We'll get all three of us tuning in today. Well, hopefully this goes a little bit more smoothly. So topic for today is going to be revolving around industry trends for 2019. So I don't know if there's anything that's kind of jumping out just specific to 20. Maybe there is a couple things that are just kind of specific to 2019, but more so probably trends that have been occurring over the last few years, I think. Um, we're seeing some things emerge this year, more from these, the vendor side of things that are starting to influence, influence the market a little bit. So we'll talk about those. Uh, we're going to break this down into a bit of a top five. Work for you guys? Works, Works for me. me. Yep. Good, good. Everybody's on board. It's almost like we rehearsed this. <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, number one trend. This is very on point right now. And so we've been tackling this for the last few days, few weeks here, I guess maybe, but it's the price point conversation. So our store has struggled with the big brands not really competing that closely with the pressure-treated wood market. Uh, or for that matter, even with the Chinese brands of decking we're seeing starting to come into this market at low cost price points. And it's been a bit of a struggle to get some people to uh, see the value in paying, you know, let's say in our market, a $3.50 board versus going and buying a cheap uh, Chinese board for a dollar less. So now, the number one industry trend for 2019 is we're seeing some of the big guys come in with some of those lower price points. Uh, Wade, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I like it. Uh, some creative ways to get to that price point too, right? So the, the guys are actually, like we'll call them the big three, Trex, Fibron, and TimberTech are actually being fairly creative in how they get down to that price point too. Um, so not only is it changing, like the price point, the board itself is actually a little bit different. So uh, I think it's... I think it's great uh, to see that they're actually trying to, to capture this. They've realized that there's a spot in the market for that price point and, and they're aggressively seeking it. I think that's great for us. I think it'll be great for the customers. So yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Justin, do you think that the, has the gap really closed? Are we really going to see people that were too shy to spend the money on a $3.50 composite board? Let's call that $2.50 in the States, but $3.50 in Canada where pressure treated lumber is still sitting at 90 cents. Have they closed the gap enough? Is that 90 cent to 250, is that, is it gonna do anything? Well, clearly it's it's obviously, it's a closer gap than what it was in previous years. Um, I still think it'll be a little bit of a challenge to make that selling point, but uh, I think it's definitely definitely closer to, to kind of, yeah, meeting those people where they're at and trying to kind of upsell them on the zero maintenance factor. I think it's a little bit closer than it used to be for sure. So, so if you're going to try and sell somebody on that, where, how are you going to do that? What are you going to, what is your plan to take somebody from a 90 cent board to a 250 board? I think it depends on the situation. I think obviously, um, 
you know, zero maintenance versus having to maintain something every year. Life, like the lifespan on a pressure treated deck or, a, or an actual natural wood deck is obviously going to be a lot shorter than something that's got 25 years or 30 years um, warranty on it. I think that's, those are the two big selling points, I think. Um, so I think it would just be a matter of, of pushing that, like pushing it in that direction. Or maybe decreasing the size, right? Trying to yeah. trying to work within a budget, right? Because people don't yeah. have just endless money. There's there's obviously a a, a budget, right? Yeah, so. for sure. For there's sure. a couple challenges this obviously presents too for the manufacturers. It's a fine line between getting that price point closer to tree to try to upsell people from wood versus cannibalizing your own mid price point boards and and now people are looking at this and saying the old range was let's say trex for example we had boards priced at 379 canadian up to 599 canadian so the gap wasn't huge it was like if you wanted the better quality board you were spending what 60 70 percent more now we're going to come in with boards that are at let's call it as low as 250 maybe 279 and the higher end is going up a little bit so now we're talking a two and a half times factor to go from low to high there's obviously a big risk here that the manufacturers are going to potentially end up with lower ve- revenues from cannibalization, cannibalization of their higher end boards. Do you guys think that that's a real risk or are we actually going to see all benefit from this? Um, I think, so we've talked about this before. I believe that their high end board sales are going to decline um, and any of our reps that we've talked to, I've voiced my concerns. I've told them that I think that'll happen. Um, I believe that we will we will see a decrease in some treated sales as well. I think there will be some people that will now slide into the into the composite market, which I think will be that will be great for us. I think there will be some wins there, but I do believe that we will see the mid price point board anything that we were selling at around the four fifty. I think those sales will be nearly gone. Uh, you have a customer that is paying for a premium board. They have the money to still afford the premium board. They're looking for the best in the in the industry and they want it for various reasons, traction, durability, color. And if your if your budget is $10,000, it's still a $10,000 budget. So we will see the the high end or premium boards continue to sell, um, but I think those mid price point boards, I think that's where we're going to see some changes that'll drop. Yeah, and for us, I think that we're it's it's a catch twenty two for the dealer from the dealer's position. It's great to be able to offer a board at a lower price point to try to overcome some of those that resistance to the the cost factor of composite decking. Justin, for somebody who's not familiar with brand X that came off a Chinese ship versus you know finally getting a competing price point board from a Fibron or a Trex or a Timbertech, the big brands. Well, for somebody that doesn't know, what's the difference? Why spend, at the same price point, why are you getting a better board from these big brands? Um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a combination of a few things. Um, like you're, you're obviously you're paying for warranty, you're paying for fade and stain, um, things like that. Uh, traction, the durability, um, you know, um, yeah, just things like that. Those are obviously all durability. The cap is a big, yeah. that's a big part of it, right? So yeah, you see absolutely. any of the, you know, the, the boards that you're seeing in the box stores that are coming from China, the cap isn't very strong, right? Possibly peel the cap off. It scratches a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. you know, 
the warranty is big. Five-year warranty versus 15, or sorry, uh, five-year versus 25, 25 or a 30-year warranty. Yeah. That's Those are significant. Yeah, I think that warranty yeah. that warranty part's big. Just the confidence in the brand, too, knowing that you're dealing with a, you know, a U.S. or Canadian-made board that's been around for a long time versus these newcomers that are just coming in off the boat. Um, if you were to actually have a warranty claim, I think that's where the difference might really be seen. If you have to call... We know from experience that there hasn't been a ton of warranty claims in recent years against the big brands, but when it does happen, it's pretty smoothly. You call in, you get your warranty claim process, they're pretty good about fixing it. I just don't know what happens if you call a 1-800 number that goes to China and they've got to ship you boards from who knows where, or you're dealing with the box store. Yeah, anyway, logistically, it sounds like it could be a bit of a nightmare with the potential warranty claims, so I think that's a big point as well. Uh, so number two that we've kind of identified here, and it ties into this a little bit because along with all these new boards that are coming out um, from with these new price points from the big three brands, a lot of them are brown, which is a change for our market. I know in the United States of America, we've seen a lot of brown. Brown's not trending down there. That's just been that's been what's been on point in a lot of markets in the states, but in Canada. Uh, it's been grazed for years and we're starting to maybe see a bit of a shift. Like I said, these new boards of the, whatever you want to call it, what is it? Trex put out what? Eight new boards this year, uh, I believe. And then we've got a, we've got a handful, three from Fibron and two, three, four from TimberTech. The majority of them are brown, which is a bit of a change for us. So what are you seeing from a color standpoint? Wait. Yeah, I don't. Did Trex do eight new colors? So I think that three of them are just re rebranded yeah right i guess there's so five they're... five new colors, five new colors three yeah. that are just more vibrant as a result of getting that wood out of the caps yeah oh, yeah same colors yeah same color um yeah the majority is brown i so personally i like that i'm a wood guy right i've been i grew up in construction my whole life my dad was a contractor and so i have always worked with wood i've always liked the browns better uh so that's good i think it's good i think uh, the colors are a lot nicer, brighter, vibrant. They look more like a deck, right? You see a, a gray deck and I don't think that we see that as often here. You get into coastal communities, that's maybe a little more common to see a, a bit more realistic. Yeah, some cedar that's weathered out or some, you know, Ipe or whatever that has weathered out and turned gray. That That's possible here. I don't think you see that as often, right? We, we usually have a lot more browns. So, um, I dig that trend. I think that's good. I'd, I'd like to see that stay or take off. I think obviously the trends with, um, you know, new bills or, or finishing of houses, obviously you want to have your deck boards complement the color of the exterior of your house. Um, in our neck of the woods, it seems that a lot of the, uh, the new homes that are being constructed, the exterior finishes are kind of that, those rich um, earth tones with the acrylic stucco and, and hardy board siding and things like that. So um, obviously having having a brown tone deck board is going to complement more than, than uh, obviously something with the grayer tones. So Yeah, I think when we look at our colors and what sold last year, it's still very heavy on gray, but what we saw and what we're, what we're believing to be the start of a shift is the fact that all those kind of off grays started to become very popular. So in past years, we'd have colors like a Winchester gray, which is very bluish gray and a pebble gray from Trex, which is a very neutral gray and a, you know, a Fibron Good Life board, which is very neutral gray. And last year we started to really see some uptake on the Wolf Silver Teaks. The coastline from Azek was a big color for them, a new color, but they're all those 
grays that aren't a pure gray. They've kind of got that browny, tanny undertone to them, which I think they're trying to replicate that weathered Ipe look that you mentioned before, Wade. So it, it still looks natural, but just in a... It, it gives you that weathered look without it looking uncared for, I guess. And so it's a very attractive uh, kind of color that can go with a variety of house sidings. It can go with the grays or the browns or whatever. So. Yeah, the part that I like the most about those is they're that the sort of two-toned gray-brown board, they're a chameleon, right? And so you're going to put that, if the house has gray siding, you put it with a house. The gray siding house still looks great. You put it with a green siding, looks fine. You put it with brown siding, looks fine, right? Mm. The board is going to showcase the color that works the best with the house. And so, um, yeah, moving to a, a board that has sort of grays and browns, makes you know makes every deck look good on every house right so it's a tricky color too it seems to be a color that's really a color palette i guess it's really only exists in the high-end boards we're only seeing it from you know five has got a version of that color in their pvc line but not really in their rest of the composite line wolf's got it in the pvc line uh we've got that azac color from the pvc line i wonder if it has to do with the fact that to create that color you need multiple colors and you need variegation so how do you create that in a non-variegated board i don't know if you can i think maybe trex got close with their i believe it's the rocky harbor is that the peachy color yeah, one with the black yeah. streaking so that <laughs> one's maybe trying to go after that trend a little bit it's it's much more peachy colored than the ones we're talking about now but it like it could potentially do quite well if they're chasing that trend i feel like timber tech did really well with silver maple so it's a gray that has it's got some brown it has tones some brown in it. in it right it's like a brown undertone um in canada we have access to that fibron sanctuary board latte and earl gray definitely, definitely do a gray brown combo um but other than those you know i would say other than those three that have existed you know moving forward nobody has really hit that perfectly outside of the you know wolf or azac coastline so yeah those are yeah exciting shifts anyway it makes it tricky for guys like us that need to worry about controlling inventory and choosing what colors to bring in <laughs> yeah, when yeah gray, just get them all when grays yeah. have been so popular for so long it's like you don't know if you should keep going back to the well with these gray colors when do you start to really start to stock up on the browns how like it's tricky and especially when every manufacturer decides they're going to launch a bunch of new colors this year and not discontinue any that's the other yeah, <laughs> trick to the this no right? discontinuing is always tough right but yeah. okay so there we have it uh, for colors a bit of a shift happening at least in canada if you guys are seeing anything in other markets uh you know those traditional brown markets in the states i'm curious are those just staying firm on the brown colors are we going to see a shift to grays eventually somewhere down there i'm not sure how that's going to work out but if you've got feedback from your market on how things might be different we'd definitely appreciate hearing that so hit us up on instagram or uh, through email or something third one we have written down here is lighting so lighting is probably not a new trend for 2019 but it's definitely a trend that's been occurring i would say for the last two three maybe even five years people are really starting to spend a little bit of money on sprucing up their deck through lighting and it's man it is one thing where you can spend you know it's only going to cost you maybe 10 percent of your budget it doesn't even have to be that much but wow does it ever make a difference when you see a deck that has a little bit of accent lighting adding to it mm -hmm. yeah i think so i mean there have been obviously a few customers that we've had <clears throat> just kind of wanted to make that, you know, um, backyard, back deck, kind of their sanctuary. Um, and obviously being able to see at night is, an, is a luxury. Um, so having, having yeah, some, some nice lighting in the background there can really create a, 
and kind of really create that vibe that you can spend your you know spend your evenings and your nights out there and actually see what you're doing you know what i mean softens the whole space too right yeah so for sure you put a little extra lighting in there and and now the neighbors notice it you know you want to be out there because mm-hmm. it you know it, it creates an atmosphere right people love it in addition to actually adding some safety to it right people will often light their stairs and that's sort of a it's a dual purpose function right softens the space and you can see your stairs at night yeah so. i think that's kind of where this started from right people people have been putting lighting in the stairs for quite some time probably more for function than aesthetic it was so you could see the stairs at night it was a safety thing but then it was kind of like well that that looks quite sharp but yeah. why am i only yeah. lighting my stairs that let's works. bring this light yeah, yeah it works <laughs> so let's bring this lighting up onto the deck and soften the space it's almost got that same ambiance as you know a fireplace in your house might or you know different i mean we all yeah. know that driving down a street like lighting in any aspect of of your living space indoor or out can provide a big effect that's why people like to put dimmers on their light switch in the living rooms you can create that ambiance when you drive down a street and you see a house that's all landscape lit and the trees are lit and the side of the house is lit and the soffit's got lighting it looks beautiful as opposed to the house that's just dark other than the street lights that so bringing some of that and putting it on your deck it seems like a natural transition and like i said the budget yeah. to do it it doesn't have to cost that much yeah and it doesn't even have to be just uh you know lighting at our location we use in light quite a bit right they have a, a great um great selection of lights railing companies are doing it right so trex uh has brought some in for their posts you know post base or post cap sorry they'll, they'll light it um i believe that regal railing has done a phenomenal job of their lighting whether it whether it's crystal rail or just the actual lighting that they're putting in their aluminum railing systems uh, yeah, it's it's good, right? Man, that crystal rail is a game changer, eh? That's it's good. like there was for for quite some time. There's been the option of doing little post cap lights, or even Regal with their little LED strip lighting in the top rail is cool. But that crystal rail that took it to a whole other level. Yeah. That deck that won the lighting award this year from uh, Doctor Dexter with all that crystal rail combined with the end light. I mean. I mean, the place looked like an airport. It was maybe a bit of an, <laughs> a bit overkill for what not everybody needs to put that much light into it, but uh, it sure makes a point. Um, the next one is a bit of a wide category. So this is number four we're calling for our industry trends in the 2019. And this is, again, a trend that's probably been occurring for a few years now, but it's the decorative accents. And so I gave it a bit of a broad category name because I think this is, we, we originally talked about, well, maybe this is kind of the idea of doing inlays in the deck so fancy little patterns in the deck it's a good way to break up the space be more efficient with your materials add some aesthetic but there's also things like curving the deck boards now you don't have to think so square adding a fireplace these little accents lighting is even maybe a part of this but people are getting creative with their spaces outdoors now and so what's what's one of your favorite trends that you've kind of seen wade as far as how decks used to be built when they used to be square to now with these little decker things what what kind of one item would you say is your favorite? Um, I think that probably the deck board inlay. And so a perfect example of that is MG decks. I think he did three of them this year and there he's built a rectangle with the deck, but defines zones by, you know, cutting up the space with inlays and different patterns in the deck. 
So it doesn't have to, you don't have to have a rounded deck or you don't have to have, you know, a bunch of 45s to make your deck interesting. You can leave it as a rectangle, which is the easiest shape to build. And then with borders and accents, you can sort of shape that deck and change it, right? Uh, it, I don't know if it was his last one that was a Fibron had a, a rec, uh, sorry, a, it was a straight line and then two squares that sort of intersected. Kind of like a chain link kind of thing. It was yeah. awesome, right? And that's just a, that's just a rectangle deck with some inlays that makes, you know, makes the, the space look awesome. So how about you, Justin, what do you think as far as uh, decorative kind of accents to a deck? Is there a trend that you've seen that you kind of like? I like the idea of the, uh, the deck tactile. Um, yeah, that's a good one actually. Yeah. Cause essentially it, you know, it can, um, change things up as far as, you know, you want to, you want to have a fire table on your deck. So what you can do is just basically form out a section of your deck and lay some tiles in there, um, and kind of make that a little bit of a mosaic kind of offset. It changes the texture too, right? So yeah. you're like plastic, 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 and then stone, right? right. You know, changes that fits on the same framing so that's fantastic right? it doesn't require a whole bunch of extra work and just drops in so yeah inlays people have done that in their houses front entrances right you'll have a hardwood house and then they'll do a tile inlay in your front entrance or the foyer and that's a pretty pretty common thing to see so you know just more of the inside of your house being moved outside because it's a living space now right it's not a yeah with those it's pretty diy friendly there too right i mean some of these things that you you mentioned uh, MG Dex's inlay of the interlocking squares can be a little, that, I mean, that's a, that takes a bit of craftsmanship to be able to pull that off, but doing something like a deck tech tile in the middle, or even just like a square inlay of boards run the other way is a little bit more DIY friendly to add a pretty nice accent to a deck for sure. And can be functional if you're putting a fireplace on there or, um, you know, adding a privacy wall or different things um, that adds function while adding decorative a decorative accent as well. So I think that's kind of kind of neat. Anything else you guys want to add to that as far as things that you've seen? I like the fireplace thing. I think that kind of kills two birds with one stone, uh, or you know, feeds two birds with one scone. Whatever we're saying. <laughs> scone, nowadays. yeah, feeds two <laughs> birds with one scone. Yeah, I think yeah. that's maybe the more careful. Peter might get mad at you in this one. <laughs> more PC way to things to uh, to say that anymore. But uh, the fire table obviously adds a lighting component and a decorative accent component and softens the space and gives you a nice place to, for people to hang out. I think that's a really cool trend as well. And it's not as complicated as people might think uh, to run a gas line out to your deck and put a fireplace in it. It's not that hard to do. So something is, and again, it creates a zone too, right? It's not just a deck where it's like, ah, I got to fill this with furniture now. It's like, if you put a fireplace in there, you've got a zone that you need to kind of like, I guess, <laughs> decorate or, or accent for a specific purpose you know you're going to put some chairs around there it's a hangout space it's not just for barbecuing anymore right so, right yeah okay so decorative accents is a big thing that's happening right now continuing to happen i apologize for the slamming door in the back <laughs> we decided to record this out in the middle of the store and it's hard to control everything but uh we'll do our best here so the fifth one also so we're doing top five. This is number five. This is in no specific order. Uh, we're not saying that number one is the biggest thing on point right now. It's just maybe the most recent on our minds. But number five, we're talking about creating dry zones. And so this isn't just, this is a bit of a vague topic as well, because I think it can be uh, encompassed by a few things. One, obviously there's a big trend right now of 
creating dry space on your deck. So whether that's through like a louvered roof system, uh, we, we deal with Arcadia louvered roofs as a way to keep some dry space on your deck. You've got screen rooms uh, that people are kind of able to turn their deck into a three season space with a screen room, keep it dry, keep it functional, but also the idea of keeping underneath your deck dry. And so in a lot of markets, the idea of having a walkout uh, basement and having a deck up above is uh, a pretty, I think, trendy um, construction thing that's happening right now. And so to be able to keep that space dry underneath the deck and put a patio down below and double up your square footage of usable space is a huge thing, even just for storage. So we're seeing a lot of adoption of things like the Trex rain escape systems or the TimberTech dry space or even people's own fabricated EPDM membranes. Um, what do you guys think? Like, is that worth the money to for people to get into something like this? What does that cost? I guess, first of all, how much of an additional cost is that for somebody to do that? And I mean, how good is it to be able to create that extra, extra usable space? I think that the cost versus the value is a, is always a tricky, you know, sort of a slippery slope. Cost is easy enough. Let's call it around $10 a square foot Canadian in our market, right? If you're going to do a, a TimberTech dry space or a Trex rain escape, those, they're going to fall in that area somewhere by the time it's all finished. Um, Trex rain escape is a little bit less money initially but then you have to put a soffit on the underside because you're not going to want to look up at the at the water management system right so anyways call it ten dollars a square foot and you're doubling your square footage so uh to us i think it's a no-brainer but again to my earlier comments there's always a budget involved right and so um i like that there are a couple of systems one that can be retrofitted, right? Whether it's under deck oasis, which is one we saw down in Baltimore, or um, or you can do the timber tech dry space. So maybe you don't have the budget at the start, and you know that you want to do that eventually. There are options; it's available, right? Or you can do the the Trex rain escape if you can afford to swing it all right at the start. Build it into the mortgage plan to have that usable space under there right from the start and. And away you go. You don't have a 200 square foot deck. You have a 400 square foot outdoor space, right? So, also allows you to, to your point about the softening, allows you to put softening on the underneath the deck aesthetically and not just look, stare up at unfinished framing in the bottom of some deck boards when you're underneath too. It's got that side benefit of being able to do some soffit. Justin, I know you've kind of been involved in a couple of decks where you've done whatever pine or cedar or aluminum soffit or whatever just kind of cleans up the space allows you to put some lighting in underneath as well yeah exactly right? that's what i was going to say uh, even like open you can take it you know one step further and run electrical and put some pot lights in there and, and uh, again create another whole other element to your to your living space speakers right yeah. speakers yeah that's like that i mean that could be a trend coming up too right getting some audio out onto your deck as well not just lighting but what would be better than sitting there at night with the lights on and like, you know, fake crickets in the back? <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to experience real outdoors. Yeah. Put on some fake crickets and some, yeah. <laughs> put on your the ocean fire. or something. Yeah, yeah. You get your fake, fake fire. fire. Get your <laughs> fireplace <laughs> on the TV there. Yeah, that's right. Turn it on to channel 180 and put the fireplace on. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's kind of our top five trends. We try to keep those 
a little bit industry-wide and less specific to our market because obviously every market's a little bit different as to what's becoming trendy. What's trendy here in Saskatchewan is maybe not trendy in, you know, Maryland or something, yeah. right? But we do have a couple that... Even BC, right? Even, even like across the country, exactly. it changes. I mean, you drive seven hours west to Calgary when you get a little bit closer to the mountains there and all of a sudden the cedar becomes a big building material out there and it's just not that big of a thing here. Right? It's, yeah. it's big but it's not nearly to the scale that it is uh, when you get closer to the mountains there. So yeah. there's some items that um, are a little bit local to us. One, this is a Canadian thing now, hooray for cable rail. We can finally use cable rail as of Jan or sorry, July last year, uh, 2017 July, the code change went through. Now it's still up to each municipality as to whether they want, they want to adopt that and allow people to do it. And I know there's still people struggling in different markets across Canada with not being able to do it because the inspectors won't allow it or the, the RM won't allow it. Yeah, there's but, certainly some pushback from the RMs, right? Because for years they've told us how dangerous it is, right? Yeah, that's right. And we all know somebody who's had a kid who went over the top of a cable rail. <laughs> or not. Right? No, not in Canada. <laughs> yeah, we don't, right? Because it hasn't been around. Hasn't been around. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, kids are going to climb things, right? But uh, Yeah, climbers are climbers. It climbers are climbers. And the thing, we've talked to some of the companies in the States, and I can't remember who it was, if it was Feeney or one of the other big brands that had done some independent research on... AGS the, was involved maybe AGS on, on how how often that's actually occurring. How often are kids climbing over this cable rail and, and injuring themselves? And it was it was like next to no times. Like yeah. it was just the fear was there, but it was irrational. People, kids weren't doing it. They were, you know, they might stand on it potentially, whatever. But I mean, those cables are hard on the feet for whatever you're going to stand on them. But it yeah. just wasn't something that was actually occurring. I don't know where I heard this, but it was it was a somebody that had done a bunch of research, and and what they came back with, the result of the research was that kids actually aren't interested in climbing cable rail, and they're sort of. There's sort of like three reasons they won't. Uh, children climb things so they can see what's on the other side. Cable rail, you don't have to climb it to see what's on the other side, you can see. So the desire to see what's over there is taken away, it's removed, you can see it. Yeah. Two, like to Shane's point, climbing is hard on the hands. It's a little cable that cuts into your hands or into your feet, so that hurts. So they don't, they're not interested in climbing because it's painful. Third, it's a vertical, straight vertical climb. Most climbing, you need a bit of an angle or a slope or, you know, some some gradient to be able to, to climb on. Not many people go straight up. Yeah, you don't right? go straight up a ladder, right? So Yeah. So those were the three items that they found that sort of debunked the, the theory that cable was that dangerous. Plus, if you're actually, if you've got, if you've got young kids and you're worried about the fact that they might climb the cable rail, um, we've actually brought in a small box that'll electric, like an electric current <laughs> through the cable. And so it works, yeah. with, it works with, it works with cows. You can, you can, yeah. you know, light it up and, and shock the little buggers away from trying yeah. to climb. Electrify it, right? We've tried, we've tried it on a few kids in here at the yeah. shop. Yeah. yeah. So it that's available cool. online right now for, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I better say that I'm just kidding before somebody like sends emails like, no, really, I want to buy that. Yeah, or somebody lights you up. You can't electrify children. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. you can't do that. It's 2018. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I think that's a pretty good list. I think uh, you know if there's other markets that are seeing some trends, we'd be interested in hearing those. So again, if you are seeing something in your market that you would consider to be kind of an upcoming trend, it's going to happen in 2019. Please get a hold of us. Again, Instagram. You can either follow the ultimate deck shop account or the Shane Chapman account and send us a direct message either way to inform us of those things. Also, you can send an email to shane at ultimate deck shop.com. 
another way to get a hold of us. Uh, this was fun. I think this is a good topic. We uh, this should be interesting for some people. And uh, what do I you guys think, think any feedback from other people is fantastic because that's how you find trends. Right? That's right. Yeah. It, so if you have something that you're seeing, being able to feed that to us helps us also, you know, spread the word. Make that if the trend is on point and you want it to to actually trend. It's great. The more people that know about it, the better. And so, yeah, yeah. we'll use it to guide our business. Yeah, I think this uh, this is good. You not we don't have a lot of experience in front of the microphone. Wade doesn't have a lot of experience in front of the microphone. I don't either. Justin actually does have a lot of experience in front of the microphone. But yeah, what he's yeah not, I'm the most silent one in the group. <laughs> yeah. But what he's not used to is actually being recorded and distributed. So I don't think he's ever actually <laughs> made it. That's yeah, an inside joke. <laughs> oh, shot. Wowzers. So yeah. anyway, light him up at the end of the show. Anyways, thanks for tuning in, you guys. We're going to come back at you next week. Again, if you have any ideas for topics for the next episode or future episodes, we're certainly interested in hearing that. We want to get into uh, doing a few interviews with some of the contractors out there on Instagram. So if you're interested in being interviewed and being on an episode of the Ultimate Deck podcast, shoot us a message through the means we discussed. And until next time, we'll see you later.